This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson, and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson, and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS seven seven three for release on Sunday, the seventeenth of December, two thousand twenty-three. On WaveScan today, our main feature is Bermuda, Part One. Also, more from Australia, and our DX report from Henry Marai in the Philippines. Today, we're taking a look at the radio scene in Bermuda, beginning with the early wireless scene and broadcasting on shortwave. First, though, Ray has some interesting information. About Bermuda itself. Thanks, Jeff. The British dependency of Bermuda is made up of more than 300 islands, with a total area of just 21 square miles, though only 20 islands are inhabited. These islands are the most northerly coral atoll in the world, and they lie midway between eastern Canada and the Caribbean islands, nearly 700 miles out in the Atlantic from New York City. Another claim to fame is that the Bermuda Islands formed the fifth smallest country in the world. The Bermuda Islands lay virtually undiscovered and uninhabited for millennia, though it's known that survivors from occasional shipwrecks did spend at least a short while on the islands before departing again for the Americas or their return to Europe. In the year 1505, the Spanish explorer Captain Juan de Bermudez visited the islands intentionally and charted them for the first time. The first permanent settlers on Bermuda came again from a shipwreck. The ship Sea Venture was carrying colonists from England to North America, and the ship was destroyed in a storm near Bermuda. Most of the survivors left later for the Americas, though two remained on the main island. Five years later, a boatload of passengers from England established the first deliberate attempt at colonizing the islands. The total population these days is around sixty thousand, although one hundred thousand tourists flock to the islands each year. The capital city is Hamilton, located on the main island Bermuda. Another claim to fame for these isolated islands in the Atlantic is that they gave their name to the so-called Bermuda Triangle. The story goes that an inordinate number of ships and airplanes have mysteriously disappeared in the triangular area between Bermuda, the Bahamas, and Puerto Rico. However, one historian has researched a large number of these disappearances, and in his book he provides a logical explanation for each incident. In addition, he also states that the number of apparently strange disappearances in this Bermuda Triangle is really no more than the same statistical ratio as elsewhere in the world when the busy flow of shipping and aircraft through the area is taken into account. 
The first known wireless station in Bermuda itself was established by the British Royal Navy somewhere around the year 1913, and it was on the air under the irregular call sign QWC. During the following year, 1914, the British government bought a large property on Somerset Island and constructed a large wireless listening station with very tall towers. By this time, the station call sign was regularised according to the latest international prefixes and it identified on air with the call sign BZR. The story of radio broadcasting in Bermuda didn't actually begin in the islands, though, but rather just outside London, England. For it was there, in Caterham, Surrey, that radio experimenter Gerald Marcuse first obtained the amateur experimental call sign G2NM soon after the end of World War I. In the 1920s, radio experimenters were encouraged, perhaps even expected, to transmit radio broadcast programming, usually on medium wave, but sometimes on shortwave also. During the year 1927, Gerald Marcuse, G2NM, made successful contact with an amateur radio operator living in Bermuda. This transatlantic communication grew into regular communication, and the Bermudan radio operator often relayed the voice communications and sometimes the radio programming from England for other listeners in the islands. The success of these relays in Bermuda sparked an interest in Gerald Marcuse in the concept of radio broadcasting on shortwave, perhaps even to the entire British Empire, and he applied to the licensing authorities for a permit to broadcast regular programming. The official permit granted approval for Marcuse to broadcast speech and music for two hours daily on 23 and 33 metres with a power limit of one kilowatt for an experimental period of just six months, which was subsequently extended for a further six months. And so a full five years before the BBC launched its Empire service in 1932, Gerald Marcuse launched his successful Empire broadcasts on shortwave from England. The introductory programme from amateur station G2NM in England was a concert primarily beamed to Australia on September 11th, 1927. The Marcuse version of the Empire broadcasts were on the air daily for almost exactly one year, and they were relayed in Bermuda. Many QSL cards were issued to verify the reception of these broadcasts, and Gerald Marcuse later went on to become president of the Radio Society of Great Britain, the RSGB. In January 1932, a new communication radio station was inaugurated in Hamilton, Bermuda, under the call sign VRT, with a transmitter power rated at 1.5 kilowatts. This new communication station was noted by shortwave listeners in the United States in contact with station WNB at Lawrenceville, New Jersey, and with a new passenger liner, Monarch of Bermuda, under the call sign GMBJ. Three months later, the primary call sign for the maritime station in Bermuda was changed to ZFA, with subsidiary call signs ZFB and ZFD, depending on which shortwave channel was in use. The call sign for the maritime station in Bermuda subsequently became ZBM, and in more recent times this was changed to ZBR, which is the current call sign. This station can sometimes be heard with weather reports on 2582 kHz, and yes, they do verify by letter. In addition, there have been at least three other major communication stations located in Bermuda. The United States established both an Air Force base and a Navy base in Bermuda during World War II. The call sign for the Air Force base was AFJ, and for the Navy it was NWU. 
Interestingly, the Canadian Navy established their own base in Bermuda back in 1963, and their communication radio station was licensed with a Canadian call sign, CZB. The Canadian facility was closed 30 years later in 1993. Well, that's as far as we can go this week with the radio story in Bermuda. After Christmas, we're planning to present the story of medium-wave broadcasting in Bermuda, and that's really very interesting also. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray Robinson, at The Voice of Hope in California. Next week is Christmas Eve, and Ray will be taking a look at broadcasting in the two islands called Christmas. Last week on WaveScan, we visited the impressive radio room of John Smith in Brisbane, Australia, who we saw during the 2023 annual general meeting of the Australian Radio DX Club. We were invited to attend that meeting just before the HFCC B23 Shortwave Frequency Coordination Conference began in Surfer's Paradise, about an hour south of Brisbane on the Queensland coast. Today we have a few excerpts that we recorded from the meeting, which was attended by a group of DXers from Eastern Australia, as well as others who took part via a Zoom connection. This was the first time that the ARDXC had ever had a meeting by Zoom, so it was somewhat experimental, but it turned out very well. In the recording, you'll hear a reference to the club's plans to scan 50,000 or so of our WaveScan editor Adrian Peterson's Heritage QSL card collection during the coming months. And toward the end of the meeting, they invited me to address the ARDXC members who were present in person and via Zoom. The first voice you'll hear is that of John Wright, the club's secretary. And thanks for the folks coming up here and especially our guests coming all the way from uh, Okeechobee, Florida. So welcome to everyone. It's something different. It looks as though it's going to work for the club. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a couple of meetings. Maybe John can do a meeting with the Brisbane branch, but invite everybody else in, see how we go. We could do the same with Sydney. We could do the same with Bathurst. So it opens up opportunities. Okay. Okay, there was another chap up in the Territory, uh, Phil Brennan, uh, presents his uh, p- apologies all the way from Darwin. So that's cool. I thank you all. So what we're going to do is probably um, have um, meetings on Zoom. God knows how I'm going to go without someone sitting beside me that knows what's going on. But, yeah, this has been really good. We finally straightened it out. So thank you very much all. Yeah, so we've got a, got a few minutes. So anyone want to talk? Uh, Sam? Yeah. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share this meeting with you for my first time, and I really appreciate it. It's great to be with a good group of guys and all that. So thank you, John, everything. Everybody no, else, so. no, pleasure, mate. Pleasure. And don't forget to hear WRMI. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good to see you, John Faulkner. Sam, thank you. I've got a more a a, um, a squint on uh, fifty to hundred thousand QSL cards. <laughs> but Jeff and I will sort that one out. <laughs> I'm going to need your your advice. Have you started scanning? Have you? No, but it, it'll probably be about March next year 
Okay, yeah, we understand. As I said, the hard, the hard part is the scanning. Everything else is irrelevant. <laughs> okay. Do you want to put Jeff on? Yeah, we're going to put Jeff on. But Sam, I, I need all, all sorts of help with this. Yeah, Jeff, um, you've got a few minutes, mate. So I'm going to leave you all now. Thank you very much. <laughs> this has been thing. And, and Jeff will talk about WRMI. <laughs> Uh, not too much, but... Uh... Uh, just quickly, Chad, I've swung my uh, video around. Uh-huh. You see those uh, 16, 60-litre containers? Yeah. They're all full of QSLs and blog books. Wow. Oh, I thought I was bad. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, we need to get together, Sam. <laughs> well, it's great to be here with uh, with you guys. Um, uh, those who are here in, in Brisbane and, and everywhere else in Australia and... Uh, in the U.S., uh, I had a chance to participate in the uh, the Sydney meeting in April, and that was uh, loads of fun. And uh, I'm back now for the HFCC conference that's taking place in uh, Surfers Paradise uh, next Monday through Friday. So um, uh, we're here and wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to uh, to come here to the to the meeting in in Brisbane and. See a bunch of people again and a bunch of new people. Uh, it's great. Um, we get lots of reports from, from Australia at, at WRMI. I know the reception's not all that great, but, uh, but we do hear from people. And it's always, it's always great. Also from New Zealand and, um, and occasionally from the Pacific. So um, we will be meeting here during the next week to uh, coordinate frequencies for the B-23 season. I think we have maybe 50-some people coming from almost 50-some countries uh, participating in the Frequency Coordination Conference. Next year in January, it'll be in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, This is the second time it's been in Australia. First time was in in Brisbane, in the city, uh, in in 2015. Uh, So it's really nice to uh, be back here in, in Australia again. So um, thanks very much. And uh, if anybody has a question, I don't know how much time we have left. <laughs> oh, and we're also looking for a, a DX reporter for the WaveScan DX program. Um, somebody to do a DX report from Australia once a month, just a short thing. So if anybody's interested or if you know somebody who's interested, um, just get in touch with, uh, with me, please. Jeff at WRMI.net. Okay? Okay, there you go. You'll be a hero. <laughs> so, yeah. The first time they, they found out we were having a, an annual general meeting, they flew down from Brisbane and uh, we had Continental Electronics and uh, Jeff and his wife and uh, it was something else again. And we brought them back to the new look Peakhurst pub and uh, a lot different. Very nice. Yeah, because they bulldozed it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that, that, was a, that was a great, great day. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I thank them both for uh, their participation, their interest in us. You know, that's, that's fantastic. Um, this wouldn't have happened 30 years ago. Well, you're all going to miss the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish you were here. <laughs> no, but anyway, it's, it's great, to, great to have the, these guys here and, and their interest in us. Um, you know, because, you know, when, when they're travelling around the world, generally speaking, they're going to Europe, you know, it's go, go, go. 
here in Australia are a bit more relaxed and you, you can see the way they're looking around and looking at all the, all the toy radios, you know, having a great time talking to different people. Yeah, it's really great. So, um, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And I think we're gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We've done it. Success. We And with that, our 40-minute Zoom connection was abruptly ended, but everyone agreed it was a huge success. Well, for many decades now, our WaveScan editor-in-chief, Adrian Peterson, who's a native of Australia, has been collecting QSL cards since he was a youngster living in South Australia. Over the years, Adrian has collected somewhere between 50,000 and 100,000 QSL cards, which are currently stored at his home near Indianapolis, Indiana. Some 200 to 300 other QSL collectors have also donated cards to Adrian's Heritage QSL collection. Adrian, who incidentally is also a minister of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, decided to donate his QSL collection to a place where it could be permanently stored and available for others to see and enjoy. A lot of searching was done for the perfect location, and it has finally been found. While we were in Australia at the Australian Radio DX Club annual meeting, the club members very enthusiastically offered to transport the collection from Indiana to Australia, where they will scan all of the cards and then send them to the National Film and Sound Archive in Canberra, Australia's preeminent institution for the preservation of the nation's sound and vision heritage. Adrian had some very interesting reflections on the history of his QSL collection. I'm very grateful that what I've collected over the past three quarters of a century is of real historic value, and I do like the idea of sending the core information to Australia for copy and permanent lodgment. Adrian continued, The first shortwave broadcast I heard was from a 10-kilowatt transmitter located at Daventry in England. The occasion was the Silver Jubilee of His Majesty King George V in May 1935. I was quite young, and my parents had me take a nap during the afternoon so that I could hear what would become a historic radio broadcast during the early evening. It was in early May 1935, and I'm sure it was on a Sunday. My father rented a radio receiver from a furniture shop for the occasion, and the shortwave relay was rebroadcast live by 5CL in Adelaide, and also the other medium wave stations that were on the air locally at that time. Their shortwave receiver was installed in their transmitter building out near the old airport. Anyway, I did hear the beginning of that remarkable radio broadcast. However, there were two problems. As an Aussie kid, I did not understand the formal British accent and a medium-wave relay from a 10-kilowatt shortwave transmitter halfway around the world carried a lot of interference and fading. So, young Adrian went off to sleep. Later on, Dad returned the medium-wave receiver back to the furniture shop. Well, during the war, I voluntarily monitored a host of Voice of America Office of War Information shortwave transmissions, which came in well in country South Australia, across the saltwater Pacific with the broadcast of their programming from a massive array of shortwave transmitters at three different locations in the United States. I sent them a host of reception reports, some of which were QSL'd with their now historic red, white, and blue OWI QSL cards. I also QSL'd all medium wave stations in Australia at their 10 kilohertz spacing and again at their 9 kilohertz spacing. While studying for ministry at the Adventist College or University in New South Wales, I used the internal telephone system as an antenna system 
and I was able to verify almost all of the New Zealand medium wave stations. With the usage of an in-flight radio receiver in the flight deck in the large passenger airliners, I was able to hear several wanted stations, such as VKW, VLU-2, a 10-watt American AFRS medium wave station, and other exotic stations. While serving 20 years in British India, I established Adventist World Radio in Asia and the old DX program Radio Monitors International. At the time, my dear wife was the executive secretary for AWR Southern Asia, and she typed out and sometimes signed thousands of QSL cards addressed to shortwave listeners in more than 100 countries. It was back then that Joseph Jacob served as a volunteer at AWR Asia, and Radio Earth began the relay of our RMI-DX program. Then Wayscan, over here. Memories. Well, Adrian has removed all of the cards from their albums now, and planning is underway to ship most of the Heritage QSL collection from Indiana to Australia in the early part of 2024. Then the ARDXC members, including John Wright and Sam Dellett, will begin the long task of scanning all of the cards. It's anticipated that the National Film and Sound Archive in Canberra will make all of the cards available on a website to shortwave enthusiasts around the world who want to peruse this extraordinary collection of international radio history, which will be physically housed at the archive in the Australian capital for those who want to see it in person. Adventist World Radio is making a special QSL offer. As a gesture of courtesy to the international radio world, Adventist World Radio is making a limited-time special opportunity for shortwave monitors around the world to obtain postcard-style QSL cards through the postal system. Genuine reception reports on any AWR radio transmissions on shortwave, mediumwave or FM will be most welcome. These broadcasts may be according to current AWR scheduling or from earlier times. Reception reports will only be accepted through the postal mail to the AWR office in Indiana, and I'll give the address in a minute, and where possible, return postage in an international currency should be included. International reply coupons are not valid in the United States, so please don't send them. Sending reception reports electronically is discouraged. Each reception report will be verified with cards in the leftover stock of AWR QSL cards in a total of more than 200 different designs, and they'll be forwarded to the listener through the postal system. The deadline for these reports is December the 31st, 2023, and they should be sent to Adventist World Radio, International Relations, Dr. Adrian M. Peterson, 2768 Morgan Trail, Martinsville, Indiana, 46151 in the United States. So again, that's Adventist World Radio, International Relations, Dr. Adrian M. Peterson, 2768 Morgan Trail, M-O-R-G-A-N Trail, Martinsville, Indiana, 46151 in the USA. And now we go to Henry Umatai in the Philippines with his DX report for December. Merry Christmas, everyone, to all of your shortwave listeners, wherever you're welcome to the December edition of the Philippine DX. This is report number 201. I'm Henry Umatai in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank 
The following DXers for Sunday reception report most recently, Mr. Jan Zachary Alvarez in Cavite in the Philippines, Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada, Mr. Chris Campbell in Ohio, USA, and Mr. Douglas Copeland in Manitoba, Canada. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception lags for November 2023. November 2, Radio New Zealand International on 13.755 in English from Rajitaki. At 0915, SIO 55 of November 3, Voice of America. On 12.00 in Korean from Tinang. At 12.10, SIO 444. November 3, Voice of Korea on 13.760 in Russian from Kuchang. At 11.30, SIO 443. November 3, China Radio International on 17.510 in Filipino from Nanning. At 12.06, SIO 333. November 6, RTIY Limbang FM on 11.665 in Malayalam from Kanchang. At 39 SIO 555. November 6, Radio Taiwan International on 9.740 in Japanese from Pauchong. At 11.25, SIO 555. November 10, World Christian Broadcaster KNLS on 9.625. In English, from Angkor Point at 12.35, SAO 3.33. November 17, Radio Farda on 13.600 in Persian, Prabodantani at 05.20, SAO 4.44. November 21, FEBC Radio 9.795 in Vietnamese, from Iba Sambales at 11.45, SAO 3.33. November 23, KBS World Radio 9.770 in English, from Kim J. At 0850 SIO 555, November 23, NHK World Radio Japan 9750 in Japanese from Yamata. At 1230 SIO 555, November 29, Radio Free Asia on 15155 in Kamir from Tinian Island. At 1235 SIO 444. And November 30, Radio Thailand on 9385 in English from Odontani. At 12.20, SIO 4.44. Send us your comments, suggestions, reception logs, and informations to philippinasdx at gmail.com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-A-S-D-X for philippinasdx at gmail.com. This has been Henry Omaray for Wavescan in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central, Philippines, saying Maligayang Pasko sa inyong lahat. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you very much, Henry, and Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Bermuda. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson. Next week, we'll have a special program about broadcasting in the Christmas Islands. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week... Merry Christmas and good listening, everyone. Merry
This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. 